It is the December 2nd edition of the PFF Forecast. This is a great episode. We just finished watching Wednesday afternoon football. The Steelers were playing. And Darius Butler joins us. We're going to talk whether the Steelers are overrated or not. Um, he gets into which defensive back he would select to start a team with. Uh, really good conversation. So he's coming up. We're going to start with the week 13 slate and a little lock of the week. Let's rock. rid of the solo cup i did i'm sorry i'm just disappointed and well i've been trying to drink more water of late i mean yeah. obviously the pandemic it doesn't give us a lot yeah. of bad habits you know uh -huh. um and you know water drinking was one that i let slip a little so I, I drank some water honestly um the solo cup probably would have been of better use with a different liquid during that game fair very fair i mean rg3 trace mcsorley yeah. The, the Steelers did not cover the spread no. in this game, despite the fact that RG3 in the first two possessions gave up what are two, two of the worst turnovers I've ever seen. I mean, that and it wasn't as if he made up for it by then throwing the ball well. Didn't have a first down passing until Trace McSorley came in, I believe. Um, it they had, was they had five net yards passing. Running on, on third and long. And picking up first downs was basically how they stayed in the game. And if they had not botched the end of the first half, you know, they could have easily scored. I mean, even botching it, they had a wide open guy in the end zone and he got punched out and whatever. That game was, I thought, validating of what I had said, which is the Steelers are a very good team, but they are not in the Chiefs uh zone tier whatever yeah, you want to yeah. call it and a lot of that is because well their offense isn't elite big ben isn't a top five or even 10 quarterback um and defense is something that you can't rely on you just can't so um anyways that's my that's my take on it uh week 13 is here all games scheduled to be played i should note <laughs> uh what do you think that so now we what did we lay we put what minus 300 on it playing today mm -hmm. it ended up playing today or not today but playing this week it ended up playing this week um you're talking and you're referencing baltimore baltimore pittsburgh, pittsburgh. Playing. what would you put the number at for the remaining five weeks of football playing in its entirety in its entirety no week 18 is basically the, the oh you mean no week 18. uh i would go Minus one thirty-five. Ooh, now, I always said that the favorite, but not like a not a over fifty percent favorite, was sixteen games for every single team. Um, I think now it's a pretty decide. Yeah, minus one fifty probably because we've seen this before, right? Here, Week five, we had all those. Here's the thing: I would not be surprised if there was a game between two teams that are out of it completely where both the teams go, you know what? Cobble on three. There's so, but there's so much. Um, 
I think this on the line for the teams, like and and think about from well, the a, paychecks are the biggest thing. Exactly. And think but, about from like the practice squad players' perspective, like that's like so Des Bryant gets elevated and he plays a game today where like you know, his his check for the week is so much higher. Like, the incentive for, like, these practice squad players to play the game because it's going to be the biggest check they're ever going to the, have is, is a big one. The only problem with that reasoning, which is sound, is that it only takes one, right? And so that's the... It only takes one strength coach to, like... To, right, to, to have to the be strength. Too, to be too tough for the virus. Yeah. Exactly, which is a bummer. But I do, I do think this week happening, just like what happened with the Titans earlier this season, is a wake-up call and people will get their acts together. I believe it. Anyways, let's jump into week lucky number 13. And there's probably only one place to start, and that's with the Atlanta Falcons. Because they get another shot at Taysom Hill. Can we... Can we okay, so I concede that that the Bengals' money line was not the greatest bet in the world. It was a shot I, I wanted to take. You, you took a shot. You had to try and pick up two steak dinners. You didn't. I'm I now, was following the book. I was following the book How to Bet If You Must, which which basically the premise is you're way behind and you need to catch up. You take long shot teams mm-hmm. and and look, the Bengals almost they had the ball at the fifty yard line with a chance for right. a field goal to win the game. It was a good bet. It, it was a great bet. I mean, you foresaw Colt McCoy coming in for Daniel Jones and I can't return a for a touchdown at all. Um <laughs> But at the same time, can we can we remark for a second that I was I was resoundly mocked and ridiculed for the Falcons and the under in the Buffalo game, not only on the PFF Daily Betting podcast, our our favorite time of the week, which is you and I, a couple Saturday drinks night. in Saturday night, going for it on the on the bets. But I also got made fun of for it on the the live show in the morning. Can I let you in on a little, yeah. little secret? You bet it. It's show business, baby. You bet it. Um, I have to disagree with things to try and, yeah, I, you yeah. know, but I did bet on the Falcons. Of course you did. Of course I did. Um, and you'll probably bet on them this week at three. Uh, I don't know. It's three minus 120 now, by the way. Um, Do you think it gets out to three and a half? If it gets to three and a half. No, no, no. Three minus 120 at oh, Falcons. The other so they might end up being your teaser leg of the week with a total of 46. Uh, if it gets down to two and a half. I got to say this about teasing the Falcons. That's pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. because the Falcons, they don't do. The Falcons don't backdoor cover anything. When they lose, it's, they lose, man. They, they give up better than just And then about when they win, they there. cover. Like, so last week we were talking about whether or not to tease Arizona. And I said, like, well, that number, the total is pretty big. Why don't mm-hmm. you just bet them outright? Like, we said mm-hmm. that on the, the, the daily betting pod. And that was the right move um, because the spread, like, there was so much variance in that game. We're yeah, and it all broke our way, by the way. Yeah. Um, that that you know probably the the New England wasn't the right play, but I I don't think they were, I don't think that New England as a teaser like was any more the better play. Although there was an angle there where Arizona isn't strong because Murray's arm is bad, and you know the Cliff Kingsbury what he does on fourth downs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that you know there the, I think that that's sort of the Falcons here. If you like the Falcons the rest of the year, take them on the money line, and because they haven't, aside from the Dallas game, they haven't really covered a game that they haven't won. It, it's sort yeah. of like they play well enough to beat a team quite handily, or they just absolutely defecate themselves on the field. So I don't know what what this is going to be this week. I was thinking about how much stake I have coming my way. And at this point, I'm I'm putting together cattle. Mm-hmm. It used to be one cow. Now no. now I've got one cow, and I've got probably two hind quarters 
of the second. Yeah. So we're gonna keep we're gonna keep this train rolling. I'm not sure if there are any this week that we'll find. I agree 100% with you on the Falcons. I do think that this. I wonder if people are out there thinking the Saints is a short road favorite or a smart move because their defense is so good. They dominated the Falcons. And if you're one of those people out there, I would just say, I'd be a little cautious. The way that Sean Payton tortured Atlanta by bringing in Taysom Hill at the last minute and Julio being a guy that started that game but then going out uh, for Atlanta. And this basic this situation happened basically exactly the same way last year where the New Orleans Saints blew the doors off the Falcons and the Falcons came back and figured things out. All right, what's the next game you want to move to? Uh, let's talk about Houston versus Indianapolis. This is a good game. Unfortunately, no Will Fuller. Does that? How much does no Will Fuller, seeing what Deshaun Watson looked like in Kansas City for the first game without DeAndre Hopkins, knowing how well he's playing. Cobb also not there. Bradley Roby also not there. The but Col Watson is so much better than Rivers. It's egregious. Now, is Buckner is eligible to come off the, the list? You, you got to believe Buckner is going to play. Rivers has been kind of banged up, though, man. And Costanzo also banged up. Questionable with a knee. Yeah. Um, I am a little surprised that... I'm a little surprised that this has stayed at three with the kind of cluster bad news that's come Houston's way. The fact that they beat Detroit on a short week, Detroit clearly looking to get rid of their coach. I, we talked about wanting to back Houston for the remainder of the year, but I'm not sure this is the spot. Just like I want to fade the Steelers, I'm not sure next week against the Washington football team is the spot. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, yeah, the the to me the Colts thing is the Colts are very like the the Colts are a favorite of betters right like mm -hmm. people like uh, you know somebody I follow on Twitter who runs uh, a betting you know exchange basically was saying that everybody was all over the Colts last week when the Titans played them um, and the week before they were a favorite against Green Bay a team that's probably going to be a top two seed in the NFC. Um, and, you know, with the exception of the second half against the Packers, they really haven't come through in those games. Mm -hmm. um, they really need the other team to kind of, kind of, you know, be bad in order for them to end up being good. I don't hate Houston here. I don't think it's good enough to, to, to bet with. Um, here's another one that I kind of think about. And again, this one could come down. Um, I, I've seen it at minus three, plus 105 in places. What about the Los Angeles Rams bouncing back on the road against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. This one is um, this one is one that I liked as well, and there are a lot of reasons why I like it. The Rams were overvalued last week. They drank some of their Kool Aid, and they played a 49ers team that was very underrated coming off the bye. Two great coaches getting a bunch of players back, and the Arizona Cardinals were a really good story. But I think we went from, hey, it's, it'll be cool if they're just close to 500 to like, oh, they're definitely going to make the playoffs there in the competition for winning the NFC West. And I just don't think that's the way to view them here. Whereas the Rams and what Sean McVay is doing there and what Darius Butler is going to talk about this a little later on, what their defensive scheme is doing for them. 
is really Dar- impressive. Darius Williams is a top three cornerback this year yeah. in PFF War so far. He's been um, awesome. I think a lot of that is because of the nature of the way coverage is graded and things like that. Like mm. a lot of stuff is funneled to him and he's given the opportunity. It's sort of like, I think about it kind of like his RBIs in baseball in the sense that like, yeah. you know, Ramsey gets on base and Darius Butler's there to knock him in. So there, there's a little bit of like the correlation there, but he's played tremendous football. And when you think about this game from a matchups perspective, Hopkins, I think will be the preferred choice of Ramsey. And, you know, does anybody else on that team scare good football teams? Not shitty football teams like Dallas, right, mm-hmm. where Christian Kirk can go over the top. Not, you know, injured football team Like, like a good defense with everybody there. Like, the interior of the, the Arizona Cardinals offensive line has been fine this year. But they're not matching up with Donald all that well. Leonard Floyd's had a career year with, with Donald mm-hmm. next to him. Um, the linebackers have been fine. And but you look at that, the wide receivers there – I think that the, the Jordan Fuller, for example, at safety, uh, John Johnson as well, um, that, you know, they just have really a solid secondary now. And I think that that matches up much like the New Englands did last week with the Arizona Cardinals, especially with Murray banged up. It just amounts to do we trust Jared Goff? And I think the zigzag theory of Jared Goff would suggest that he'll have a good game in this game. Yeah, Sean McBay needs to bounce back here. I mean, it, the, you, the Niners are so much. The Niners are such a bad matchup for the. For you could the also flip it on his head and say the better quarterback in this game is getting points, at home. Yeah, but is Murray healthy? Like, I, I, I you're a doc, you're the doctor. I, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, no, I, I I would say. I mean, he does. He didn't look healthy last week. No, he didn't. And but that was part of the reason. I mean, players heal. Yes. Okay. I mean, we're talking about a Rams team that beat Tampa Bay on the like they're they're a game team. I, it's just I do agree laying points on the highway with Jared Goff is a rough proposition at times, but I I do think McVay bouncing back against a defense that isn't particularly good um, might be the ingredient we need. I mean, there's the Cardinals are are starting Drake Kirkpatrick at one of their corners, you know. Yeah, that's true. And you know their their linebacker level is not great. And we saw Tampa Bay's linebacker level not be great and. You know them exploit them so it's just something to think about okay i have um i have a teaser for you Uh oh now we talked a lot about teasers last week and earlier this week we wrote up a bunch of teasers that all had seattle teased down to a half point on monday night with some other teams and uh, that ended up being pretty great because they obviously ended up winning by six instead of way more which would have covered the number so the first leg of this is the Monday night game between Buffalo and San Francisco. San Francisco playing technically at home, but in a neutral site in Arizona is a two and a half point underdog. So you would tease that out to eight and a half. And that total is actually maybe a little lower than some people might think. We kind of like the over. I'm actually not opposed to the over in that game as well, if you want to consider it. Now, the, the second leg is a little harder for me to, to find, um, but I have two options for you. The first is the Raiders tease down to no. one and a half against the Jets. I didn't think you'd like that one. The I, mean, se- I liked it. Look, look, Raiders fans, by the way, we saw this coming, right? It was their letdown spot. They, they let down against the Jets last year as only three-point favorites. 
a year for are the Jets four and a half points worse than they were last year? I don't know. Maybe. But the Raiders are certainly like as game for being blown the fuck out again like they were last week. Um I I can't do it. Not the Raiders. I want to tell you guys about monkeyknifefight.com. Uh, it's a really fun site where you can play daily fantasy and prop games. Uh, and it's one of the fan- fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the entire USA. Uh, they also have some really cool merch. Their uh, logo is pretty sweet as well. Um, all first-time depositors that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for 20 bucks that you get to have fun playing with. So go to monkeyknifefight.com, put $20 down, get a free PFF Edge annual subscription, and enjoy the rest of the sports season. The gyms may not be full, no matter what gym you're talking about. And I'm talking about the ones where college basketball is being played. And we know anything about college basketball. The only way that you can make it bearable to watch is to have some money down on the game. Maybe even mute your laptop while doing so. Um, And the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app, is the way to go if you want to get a little action down on some college basketball games. Promo code PFF uh, is the promo code you want to use because you get up to a thousand dollar signing up promo bonus, and this is pretty awesome. You can win one hundred dollars when you bet on either Gonzaga or Baylor when they meet up this weekend. So go to DraftKings Sportsbook, download it. It's the best, and one of the reasons it's the best is because it's as easy to withdraw money as it is to deposit, which is a underrated component of picking a sportsbook so download DraftKings sportsbook app use promo code pff make sure that you are 21 or older in new jersey indiana or pennsylvania the bonus is comprised of a first-time deposit deposit requires 25 time playthrough restrictions do apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9 with it if you are looking for a gift for yourself because you've been good this whole year or someone else uh, the Cyber 40 sale at PFF is still going on. You don't end on Cyber Monday like some lunatics out there. Cyber 40 is a promo code. You get 40% off any, any PFF subscription. Even if you already have one and you want to add another one, like one of the college subs, you can do so. Bowl season is coming up. Um, and it's a perfect gift for yourself or anyone else. With PFF Edge, you get all the fantasy content. Uh, and projections and rankings that you could possibly want. With PFF Elite, you get the props tool, the betting dashboards, um, so you really can't lose either way. Both of them come with PFF grades, of course. So use Cyber40 as your promo, get 40% off through next Monday, December 7th at pff.com. Okay, the second option is the Baltimore Ravens tease down to one at home against the Cowboys. That face is incredible. You're worried about the Cowboys in this one. This is a get-right spot for Baltimore. They get basically a full week off. They get Lamar back. We gotta wait till Tuesday to resolve our bet. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. no, no, I, no. Look, I don't mind. Do that you have at any all. other teaser legs that you like? So SF I, plus the eight and a half. I was really bummed, honestly, that there weren't more two and a halfs out there. There I were mean, a some... lot of these things are being teaser protected, right? So yes. you look at the Washington. That's nine and a half. You look at the Eagles. That's nine and a half. That has risen. I mean, the biggest one is have, Houston. We have Ben and I have a pretty decent amount of Packers minus seven. Now it's nine and a half. Mm-hmm. That one would have been a nice one to get. Been great. 
Um, Vikings nine and a half as well. Um, okay, so let me. You, oh, do you have? Did you want? No, no, no. You really don't have faith in the Raiders beating the Jets. Jets. I don't. I like. Wow. I do, but I don't. Like I, I can see like I. The Raiders second straight week on the East Coast, mm-hmm. one o'clock game. Also bad defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Darnold in a second straight start after being hurt. Um, okay, if you like that team, like why why aren't we just laying the points with the Rams as the pick? Uh because because Jared Goff. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Yeah, he has sort of had a roller coaster of a year, hasn't he? I mean, it's it's um, you're betting on Sean McVay. You are taking kind of both teams at the bottom of the market. And you're, we're, I think there's a lot of unknown with Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. What about, okay, what about Rams, Niners over? 48 is the total right now. You look at the Bills, obviously they've got um, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Uh, John Brown's on IR, so that hurts. But then on the Niners side of things, you have IU coming back. You got to figure that Ayuk, Debo, Kyle Shanahan, like that—that's that's a good matchup for them against mm-hmm. the you know the Buffalo Bills. So I don't know. What are your thoughts there? I the Niners are the Niners are a team I don't want to fade that much. How are you fading them though? Sorry, you're the plus eight and a half. You're saying no, no, over forty-eight. Over 48. Well, their defense is better than I think, like we're giving them yeah, credit. Yeah, their defense is great, but. Yeah. Are people undervaluing the fact that this is in a dome? Like, is that why it's 48 and not something bigger? The problem is. is I think the reason it's 48 is that people are overvaluing the consistency of defense for the 49ers. Everyone's been talking about Robert yeah. Sala, who I think is great. Richard Sherman is back. That defense looks really good. I agree. I think they're fantastic. That doesn't mean that they can't play well and this game can't go over 48. Why don't you just lay the points with the Bills then? Then we don't have to worry about Nick Mullins. Like this isn't like a nine-point spread where Mullins comes through the back door at the end of the game. This is a win-the-game sort of spot for Buffalo. You really want to do that to me, huh? Look, I, I... there was a quarterback early in his career that we bet against a decent amount, and his name was Deshaun Watson, and we won a fair amount of those bets. But I will say that the the, the most comforting side is on the side of him. And I would say Josh Allen is a player that we bet against a decent amount. And while I think the road will be bumpy, mm-hmm. being on his side against Nick Mullins is a place I want to be. Okay. So, okay. I mean... The Buffalo Bills and Darius agreed with us later in the show are the, uh, a really well coached team, really well coached team, and the Niners are a very well coached team as well. So you sort of cancel those terms out, right? And let, then it be, it com- let it be said that you're on team defense here. I'm not on team defense. I'm on team <laughs> Allen better than Mullins. Man, what about? Okay, well, let's talk so, about so this we'll game. Table let's, that. Game. Let's talk about this game. Let's talk about Cleveland, Tennessee, because this is the other good game that we have not hit yet how much faith do you have right now in kevin stefanski to keep carrying the cleveland browns on his back 
a fair amount, although I would have liked this game at six instead of five and a half. That's really mm-hmm. the, the, the the problem here that I see. I mean, I think these teams are the Spider-Man meme um, where Tannehill's probably a little bit better than yes. Baker. The, the Please, weapon, get rid of the word probably. He's definitely a, the, better the, than The weapons Baker for the Tennessee Titans are better. I think the Titans have two bona fide receivers where the, the Browns have yep, one. Both top 12. And, and weirdly, I think the running backs for the Browns are better than the running backs for Tennessee. So, like, I, and the defenses are both equally bad. So, like. Okay. What about the over, then? I can't, right? Because we've, we already bet a Titans over, right? We're against a team yeah, with a, uh, a Mayfieldian quarterback mm-hmm. in Foles. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit of a of a dump on 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 Mayfield, but um, and, and Odell's out, so I don't know what what what's going on here. But like, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just these teams like to run the ball too much, man. And, and so we're talking about like a drainage of the clock. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's weather. I mean, if you look at Nashville, it'll probably be okay. But like you, you know, there's could be cold. Yeah. I mean, when when we've seen when we've seen the the when we've seen the Cleveland Browns play. In so it's about to be 46 five mile per hour wind, so not not that big of a deal. But we've seen the Browns go into a shell in games and either not score and get blown out or not score in a close game. And you know, I could see both of those things happening in this one. Mm-hmm. And in which case, like if it ends up like 37 3 or something like that in favor of Tennessee, it's going to be a rough one. Man, this is the hardest I've had all year of trying to figure anything out. I mean. I even for a second thought about Cincinnati plus 11 no, and a half and dude, then dude, no. immediately, right? No, I'm saying, no, no. I, you know, here's the game that I would have liked the most, except that Daniel Jones is questionable, yeah, 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 yeah. would have been the over in New York, Seattle. I like the fading of Seattle's defense like I do. I think... Um, I think one of it's the best 48, indi- by the way. One of the best individual mas- matchups in this game is going to be James Bradbury versus DK Metcalf. That mm-hmm. will be a very good uh, barometer for Metcalf uh, and Bradbury. Um, but like to Colt McCoy, like anybody who is in the three ninjas can't freaking play quarterback. So what do you think the Washington Pittsburgh like game? I did. Okay. I did. I'm a, I'm a little like you know, I just, well, we just had. Wa- well, you just watched the Cleveland, or sorry, a, a Pittsburgh and the old Cleveland Browns, Baltimore yeah. Ravens play, and it's it and, takes and a lot out of you. And it was so funny that like all the humor was sucked out of you. Yeah. Um. I would, so it looks like it's nine and a half right now. Washington football team against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh next Monday. So this is you know short rest for Pittsburgh. Washington is decent. Do you think this gets out past ten? Uh, no. No? No. The betting markets are smart. The, the, the betting markets will not overrate the Steelers. Is Correct. What yeah. By the way, I, I just want to say. Look, when we said when we said what would the, what would the game be lined, right? We yeah. both said 10 and a half. Yeah, yeah. It ended up 10 and a half because people properly price things in. And like our, our friend uh, Luke was, you know, he was messaging me. He said, look, when, when, I, when I found out that the corners and the linebackers for the Ravens were still in, I thought they had a chance. I thought they had a chance. And he was right. And they had a chance because the Steelers aren't that good on offense. And the the Ravens have good coverage guys, and they held on for dear life. And the, the Steelers did yeah. the opposite of holding on for dear life to the football. And it ended up being okay you know, if you backed uh, the Ravens in this one. 
And I think the same thing's true here. Like, the, the football team has good players. Like, Kendall Fuller can cover. The whole front line is pretty good. Uh, their linebackers are fine. And on offense, like, Alex Smith's going to do more with that bullshit that they have than Trace McSorley did. The only problem is that Alex Smith is not exactly mobile right now. He's been moving fine in the pocket, though. But he's not, I mean, but you can't, you're not going to design a run game around him. Oh, sure. But that, but, but your runs with, with Gibson are going to be more effective than your runs with RG3, right? Or mm-hmm. is the, or was that deception? I can't believe that that deception was a thing against, against the Steelers. Like the Steelers had to know that that was all RG3 had. Yeah. You know, like Smith, here's the thing with Smith. Smith, somebody described this to me, I thought it was great. Smith's a very good black and white player. He's a terrible gray player. When when Smith decides to run, he's actually effective. When he decides to throw from the pocket, he's okay. And But when he throws on the run, he's trash. Like that's really like the, the, the tough part about this one is if he moves around in the pocket a little bit, like it's, they, they really do have to be that like low A dot, high PACR team that throws shit to, to McLaurin underneath and, you know, Gibson and all that kind of stuff to beat the Steelers team to, to keep it within nine and a half though I think I think I think the line is perfect frankly okay all right what do you want to go with uh gun to head I'd take Buffalo really yeah man I think so here here's the take and I don't I don't mean this in a disparaging way defense is overrated as a predictive tool Coaching is also overrated as a predictive tool. They're both second-order terms. The first-order term in this game is decidedly on the side of Buffalo. Hmm. San Francisco is dealing with some issues that could galvanize them for sure. I'm not throwing that out, but they're not even playing at home. It's... It's a primetime game, right? Like all this kind of stuff. Like a lot of the, the home field advantage stuff is gone in this game. Buffalo, and again, I, I think the Bills coaching is probably a little worse than San Francisco's. But again, I think that that's a smaller input than we believe. And so when I look at this game in the first order things that matter, it's the fact that Buffalo has two really good receivers playing in this game. They have a quarterback who I think is high end is more than good enough to sort of extend in a game against the San Francisco 49ers. That's that's my take. Um, I, I think that there, you're also talking about a letdown spot for the Niners after a big win against the division rival off a bye. All right. I hate it, and so I'll go with it. I mean, I for a second considered going steak dinner. But... I know. I that. have to stop the count, man. You I have, have to. to I have count. to demonstrate uh, responsible gambling to our listeners. Okay. Um, All right. But the laying the two and a half, uh, you know, again, Buffalo minus two and a half, I think is is the right side. All right, let's do it. And now let's get to Darius Butler. All right, this is the moment that uh, many people have been waiting for. Darius Butler at Darius J Butler, uh, former Colts great, co-host of the Man to Man podcast and creator of Everything DB on YouTube, one of the best follows. If you're like us and you love coverage, if you're looking for someone to give you the goods on what's going on in the NFL, Darius Butler's the guy. Darius, we're fresh off Wednesday afternoon football. What were your thoughts on that? 
I loved it, man. I mean, it was, it was random. Obviously, it's been delayed, been uh, kind of tough to keep up with when they were going to actually play. <laughs> but um, we finally got the game. Uh, I know mentally it was probably tough, tough as hell for those players um, to, you know, keep waiting and actually get there and play. But, um, you know, Pittsburgh ended up winning a close game. It was closer than uh, I'm sure they won it, but uh, they won. And that's all it's about at this uh, point in the season. Have you ever – when was the last time you played, like, on a non-regular day? <laughs> Man, it, even when I was in college, you know, I was in the Big East. I, I mean, we played, we had some primetime games, maybe a Thursday or Friday, Saturday. But um, even my brother, he went to Akron. They used to have some random Tuesday night, <laughs> random days, matching. But, uh, you know, having a Wednesday afternoon kickoff, that's, that's, that's wild. Before a lot of people even, you know, check out of work, we're playing some NFL football. But uh, it's 2020, man. As long as the games get played, I guess I'm happy. Speaking of making you happy we have to start <laughs> we have to start with this conversation especially because the Steelers just played and mm -hmm. I'm really excited to have this this conversation because I the the video that came out had a headline that said that I claim the Pittsburgh Steelers are the most overrated team in the NFL now ridiculous first, statement first, I, I by the way ridiculous. disagreed <laughs> first but, yes right and you came up with a team that doesn't matter I said the Eagles were the most overrated team in the NFL. You have to be rated to be overrated. Anyways. Yeah, I, that's, that's tough. The Eagles yeah, were the I, favorite I to win the NFC East all season. They're one of the five worst. Anyways, yeah. okay. But no, everyone reads the word overrated. They think you say bad. They don't watch the video. I want to just give you my reasoning and then let you respond and we'll, we'll debate from there. So, gotcha. my reasoning is as follows. Having watched a decent amount of talking heads on TV, I see a conversation recurring, which is, who's the best team in the NFL? Is it the Steelers mm -hmm. or is it the Chiefs? And when I hear that, I go look at our power ratings. I go look at a bunch of different grades for quarterbacks. How good is the offense? And I, there is a clear tier of one with the Kansas City Chiefs and then the Steelers who I think you can make a very good case for either as the second or third best team in the NFL so to me that's an overrating of a team every other team in the NFL you've got a cluster of maybe two through nine you've got some teams in the middle but there's no clearer delineation in my mind than the difference between the Chiefs and everybody else because of Patrick Mahomes and how good he is and that to me Phenomenal. is where the Steelers do have their biggest weakness now they're a very good team they're very deep but their biggest weakest is that their passing game while good is not great ben roethlisberger has the 20th best pff grade he's throwing the ball short and quick which is efficient and they've mm -hmm. played the easiest schedule in the nfl thus far so that can inflate your defensive stats a little bit they're actually behind New Orleans and Los Angeles in yards per play allowed. They've had plenty of turnovers. Um, and so I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm saying that they're second or third, but it's overrating them dramatically to put them in the conversation with Kansas City. Wait, so you said they're second or third, but they're still overrated because, exactly. you know, but that, Kansas City is just so far ahead of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. don't, don't you think, Darius, that that's part of the condition is that if people were saying, like, George, would you say the Pittsburgh Steelers would be overrated if they were the second power-rated team in the NFL right now? That, that, I, I would have to say, obviously, I, what would you say, George? You would well, say no, right? I, That's correct. No, I mean, I, I have no problem with them being number two. 
I, when I say overrated, I'm talking okay. about someone, you know, like. Yeah, because I think people. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a confusing statement. When you when you see it, when you read it, it's like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. For me, especially at this point in the season, you're 10-0. and and, you know, I don't care about, you know, your strength of schedule. Yeah. I don't care about, uh, you know, a PFF grade for a quarterback. I don't care about any of that because I know and how tough it is to win ball games in the NFL, regardless of who you're playing. You've seen any – I mean, the Raiders went into and played Atlanta last week thinking, I'm sure, that they were going to get the win by a score or two, maybe no Julio, no Gurley. And they got blown out of the house. Like it's it's the NFL. That can happen any week. So to come in with that target on your back all week, and not even and I, I'm kind of piggybacking off of last year, what they mm -hmm. did last year, yeah. going eight and eight with you know Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and who knows what the <laughs> hell their PFF grade was. But it was thirty. So it was worst. It was they had the worst <laughs> graded quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Yeah. See, and then you know you rolled that over into this year and the leadership that they have in Mike Tomlin, and you know what happened earlier when they lost their bye week and like a lot of that stuff can mess with you mentally. A lot of it isn't just X and O's. It is just you know um, you know ratings or grades. It's like okay, how much BS can you deal with all off the field? You get on that field and you find a way to win. Even today, it was ugly. It was ugly. I expected a much uh, larger, you know, margin of victory, but it was ugly. But they found a way to win. So now you move to 11 and 0. I mean, you got to be in the argument. I can't say, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, if Kansas City and Pittsburgh faced off in the AFC Championship, they faced off two weeks from now, I could just say, oh, yeah, book it. That's the Kansas City win. Like, I, you can't do it like that. Um, Mahomes is great, but the way to beat a great quarterback like that, you get a four-man rush, you keep him boxed in the pocket as much as possible, and then when he, when he does throw balls out there that can be picked off or turned over, you turn them over. And that's what Pittsburgh does better than a lot of teams in the NFL right now. So for you to say overrated, with a team like that, because what the grades and the data and everything doesn't factor in is mental toughness. You yeah, can't, you I, I can't think that's a, really, I think that's really where the 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 miscommunication is, right? Like George, you're not saying they're bad. No, you're saying that it basically, you know, there are a ton of talking heads that are saying Pittsburgh should be number one because they're undefeated, and like you and I, I, say, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I you and I'll say, and, and Darius, I'm assuming you'll agree, if those two teams faced each other. On a neutral field, Kansas City would be favored by probably a field goal. And yep. and if New Orleans, so here's a question for for you, Darius. If New Orleans has Breeze and is healthy, and Pittsburgh is healthy, and they play, let's say they play in the Super Bowl, who's favored in that game? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you would go. I would go. I would go with New Orleans. Okay. If, if, with Drew Breeze healthy. But that's a, that's a question mark at this point. So yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, I would go in New Orleans just because their weapons are better. You look at the backfield, you look at Kamara, he's better than anything uh, Pittsburgh has in the backfield. You look at Mike Thomas healthy. Um, yeah, they, they got better weapons around them. Um, so I would, I would give New Orleans. And then defense, the defense isn't that far off from Pittsburgh if they're playing well, but Pittsburgh consistently plays well. They consistently get after the quarterback. They consistently create turnovers. New Orleans kind of has some up and down on that defensive side. They do make plays, and they're talented as all get out. Um, but I can see the, I can see the Saints being slightly favored, maybe if uh, if Drew Brees so, is completely healthy. So, so I think we're all. I think me. we've converged on basically me. the same point. Then where I think I think our power rankings would all be Kansas City first, and a really close debate between New Orleans and Pittsburgh and then no team after that. The NFC after after New Orleans is pretty flat, right? The 
the AFC. I would, I would, I would, I like Seattle, man. Okay, oh, there you go. I like, I like Seattle now. Now, do you now think that you got, you know, you got Jamal Adams back healthy? He's kind of finding his, um, his groove and his role within that defense. And I think you keep him around the line of scrimmage as much as possible. He is your best pass rusher. I know he's listed as a safety, but he's more of a defensive weapon. Yeah. Okay, so let's um, do this. He, let's do this. We've got. We're going to go through your top. I don't know, five or six. Okay. Okay. So you've got Kansas City one. Got Kansas City one. I would go Pittsburgh two. Pittsburgh two. Damn. Um, now you just had New Orleans favored over Pittsburgh. No, I said favorite. I'm not Vegas. Right. I live in South Florida. I'm I'm taking Pittsburgh. I think New Orleans would be favored, okay. and I would bet I would okay. bet on Pittsburgh. Okay. But so Pittsburgh definitely that too for sure. Um, New Orleans, I got to take New Orleans as is. I don't know when Breeze will be back and, you know, what he'll be when he's back. So I couldn't put him at three. I couldn't put New Orleans at three. Um, so three would probably be, damn, I'll probably go with, with Seattle at three. Honestly, okay. with, uh, with Russell uh, down the stretch, I trust him. I trust that team. Um, Seattle, let me see. Then I'll put... Ooh, I do too. We do. We like Buffalo like Buff too. That's a well-coached yeah, like, team. I like exactly a well-coached. I like them to, but damn, that's kind of high. I don't know, man. I haven't. I haven't put any real thought about it in, into a top five. I don't. I don't really. I don't really do that much. But that's my top three. I guess I'll leave it there. It's tough. I. I think. I, I, I think about the last two. So yeah, because I you brought up a great point about Seattle, Darius, and and having played in the secondary before, we talked about this a lot. Where it's. It's less about the superstar and more about how the superstar helps the weaker players in the secondary play easier positions, right? So you think about Kansas City with Matthew. He makes the job of Sorensen. He makes the job of those younger corners a lot easier. Do you think that that's the case with Adams as well in the sense that that secondary had so many breakdowns early in the yeah, season I, and you bring a veteran in there who kind of knows what's going on he kind of has his shit together he can put pressure on the quarterback in, in some instances and of course they are playing weaker teams the eagles are a disaster but like yeah. but, but they but even the poor offenses were putting up points against them early in the season you put another guy in the secondary and it's like it makes the weakest link a little better right and yeah and for, for sure. is that something that you you uh subscribe to yeah, I wouldn't say uh, it wouldn't be the same, like what, what Ty Matthew does for, for the Chiefs and what uh, Jamal Adams does, but um, he just brings – so I don't care how talented you are on the back end. Like the best defense, if I'm a D coordinator, I'm a GM or whatever, I say, hey, if I build my defense, I got to get some dogs up front first and foremost because I don't care what's on the back end mm -hmm. if I can't get pressure after the – if, if a quarterback can consistently go through read one, two, and three in their progression – I don't care how good you are on defense in the second year, you're going to get picked apart. So getting pass rush up front, help up front, that trade for Dunlap was huge. I tweeted out a couple hours before they did it. That was a huge pickup. Getting Jamal back healthy. Getting Shaquille Griffin back healthy. They still haven't got Dunbar back from that knee injury. Mm -hmm. And then really it's about playing, getting downs together with each other with Diggs and Wagner and Wright. As soon as you almost forget about K.J. Wright, he makes a big play. And those guys got a ton of experience. So um, it's for me... It's not even about what I've seen on films for so much, you know, for the last 12 weeks. It's about, okay, now that we got all these pieces and now if they can play together for, you know, three, four weeks going into the playoffs, what type of team are we looking at now? So um, that's why I'm hopeful for that Seattle defense to kind of turn it around. But when you have those pieces up front, 
it definitely helps those guys on the back end because if I can cover a guy and I know then I gotta cover I gotta cover every route on the tree. Like mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, those DBs not they not they don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Baltimore, a lot of times they don't have to do that. They know if we're bringing pressure, and then Seattle doesn't bring a lot of you know pressure unless it's you know Jamal Adams. It right. seems like, but um, so they're doing some of the right things, and it's about really just meshing along with the the play callers the players that are on that field. And then it's about Jamal Adams buying in and, and then the coaches kind of buying into what he is and who he is and, and to get the best out of him because he definitely has that that um, X factor to where he can bring up the whole morale and the energy of a defense and of a football team. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of how the Saints win on defense too. You talked about them and how they're ascending. Early yeah. in the year, they had so many penalties, but you know, Davenport, who was a kind of a controversial draft pick at the time, he's playing really well. Hendrickson, obviously, Cameron Jordan's a man, but you look at that secondary. He is a man, confirmed. And there's there's so many. <laughs> they have so they have such great depth, right? Patrick Robinson's a former high priced free agent. He's a backup for them. Uh, DJ yep. Swearinger was a starter in this league. He's a backup for them now. Um, you know they have they have such depth in the secondary. To me, like I agree with you, Darius. I think early in the season, defense doesn't really matter that much. It's how you play at the end. And how you play at the oh, end yeah. is, is sort of a, an amalgamation of like the players that are still on your team, which in this COVID time is like could be anybody. But if you have yeah. depth in the secondary or you're getting guys back who are healthy, it could be a huge boost. Well, I was going to ask Terry this because you brought up play callers. And, and when you were on with Solly and I, we talked a lot about – you know, mixing up your coverage, talking about the Colts and what they they've been doing with their secondary that doesn't have a ton of stars, but continually mm-hmm. puts together good uh, performances. So I think in this year there might be more reliance on how good is your defensive coordinator, how good are they at creating a, a scheme for that game to beat that team to take away their biggest uh, their their best weapon. If you had to pick a couple of play callers or maybe your favorite that you've seen this season on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Robert Sal is getting a lot of um, praise for what he's done with a, a mash unit for the most of the season. Who are some of the guys yeah, that I, stick Yeah, I would out? have to say he's – I would have to put him a cut above um, right now. What, like you said, what he does, yeah. uh, with, even – he obviously lost a lot of pieces up front on the back end on the second level. And um, for them to consistently play the high level of defense that they play – and uh, San Francisco has been tremendous, so he's definitely be number one. Uh, Bob Staley out, yeah. out with the Rams. Uh, he came out of nowhere. I had no idea. And usually if a guy becomes a D coordinator, I know, you know something from what trees from something. I didn't know anything about him, but he's been um, outstanding as well. Um, and obviously, Flus down there uh, with, with mm-hmm. Indy. Um, and it's not, it's not, for me, it's not so much about the play calls, but it's about how comfortable your players are within your scheme because it's, it's and I had this conversation with uh with Todd Matthew on on Twitter not so long ago even something as important as two minute right the two minute drill and I said my tweet was hey man if I ran a team we would do two minute drill every practice we have to have a two minute drill incorporated somehow some way because most of most games in the NFL come down to either getting a stop in two minute or scoring and uh, he replies to me like, hey, that's what we do with Andy. We do two minute every day. And you can tell, like, I don't care what your numbers are, all this stuff, defense, like the critical situation, third down, red zone, two minute, that's where it really matters. So when you're on the same page with your players and your players not only just hearing the play call, but they know, okay, they kind of can anticipate what's coming in and they can 
now I can get, now I'm just focused on the offense. What am I getting from the offense? Who's split, where, what motion am I getting? You know, who's here, who's there? I'm not really worried about what I'm doing because we're, we've been working on that from Monday through Saturday. So um, the play callers, it's not so much about, you know, drawing up the best blitzes and the patterns right. and coverages. It's more so just having everybody on the same page. And the, the more you can do that, the more you got veterans who can kind of, you know, continue to convey that message throughout the locker room, um, you know, the better you're going to play uh, football, especially on the defensive side. You know, you brought up, and Richard Sherman does a podcast with Chris every week. And he, I mean, he loves Robert Sala, obviously. Yeah. And he talked earlier this season about what the Cowboys were doing wrong. And he was saying, look, fancy schemes are great. But you know what is you can't have? You can't have guys that are going three-quarter speed yeah. because they don't have confidence in what the scheme is you know, supposed to do, what they're supposed to do in that scheme. And mm -hmm. you hit on that again, which is guys, a coach's best, what they do is before the game starts, having all the players, whether it's a guy that's a backup who's filling in or your starter, yeah. feeling confident that they know what is going to be asked of them in that role. And like that, that's everything, man. That's everything. Football Especially is, with the stuff that's getting thrown at you from these offenses now. Yeah. Well, football is so, football's so hard to play anything mm -hmm. less than full speed, right? Right. <laughs> and so, and you know better than any of us do, but it's like, you know, it's so, and then these offenses are doing things that are, that are so definitive, right? When you, when you're on that side of the ball, you can't be thinking that much, right? It mm -hmm. has to be yeah. so much uh, instinctual. And, and I think a lot of these, co the, the coaches that are the best ones are the ones who train in that, in that, those instincts and the bad ones, I think are like, you know, the guy that just got fired in Detroit where he's like, you know, I have a great scheme. They just can't learn it or they're, you know, <laughs> they can't execute. I feel like that's the biggest cop out of all time. Right. Because yeah, it's a it's a symbiotic thing and obviously execution's a big deal but you sort of have to execution proof some of your schemes i think yeah and, and, and you know what and, and maddie p maddie p was a hot ticket coming out of new england mm -hmm. he's a he's a great defensive mind um but it, it's about how you teach it and getting guys to buy in as well and and i are just watching their tape I, I'm looking at Jamie Collins in that defense, and he's you know he's the same Jamie Collins from uh, New England, but he looks completely different. Like he just, mm -hmm. I would say he wasn't as bought in with Matt Patricia as he was with Belichick. Playing, I'm sure a bunch of the yep. similar calls, so that factors in as well. And uh, we talk about the good side of, I would say, a player and a, and a team that I watch a lot, the, the Raiders. And they do some bad things on defense. And I think it comes down to communication. One player, uh, Abram, he he flies around. He has instincts. He, but you can tell he's not being really coached to see, like, the big picture. Because mm -hmm. the thing about coverages and playing defenses is it's one thing to know the call, but within the call. And this is kind of where – so when I was playing, PFF would be – I would use it as a tool, right? Mm -hmm. Some people can use it as the end-all, be-all. I Some use it as a I tool say, as well, by the way. Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. So it's a tool. So players hate – we hate the PFF stuff unless it says, hey, Darius Butler has the highest PFF slot grade this year. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. They know what the hell they're talking about. But outside of that, because there's so many details that go into yeah. every play call, something as simple as cover three. But if we're playing against Pittsburgh, we may play our cover three completely different this week because of where Clay, if Claypool's lined up at number three instead of number one at the X, the safety's doing this and the underneath linebacker's doing that. Same thing with quarters, two men. Any coverage has all these different um, intricacies within it. So it's hard for somebody that's, even me, I've played nine years, i played literally every position in the secondary NFL. I can look at a play and have a pretty good idea who's who messed up, who blew what, 
But unless you're sitting in those meetings and you really know how they were supposed to play some of what call should have been made, who made the close call, did they mess up? This might mix up the motion with something else that they played last week. It's really tough to really say, you know, this player is that or that coach is this, you know, without having all that information, yeah. you know, week in, week out, play in, play out. So that's why a lot of people had a gripe with PFF, but I love to use it, um, you know, as a tool. Well, you bring up a great point. And, you know, both of us are, we got into PFF by doing math and trying to figure out. Yeah, you com know, com computer geeks. That's exactly, you exactly. That's right. You saw that. <laughs> you know this. Um, and uh, one of the things that we was one of our um, first kind of discoveries that, really shook our thought on football was the importance of coverage but also how hard it is to predict coverage and how the grading that we do that's probably the biggest the place where we can make the biggest strides by improving it and and yeah. so that's where we've done a ton of there's current research going on to try and improve it because you know in talking to uh you know our grading team like when they have questions on coverage and richard sherman knows this better than anyone like send him a dm be like hey man like what you know yeah. and when yeah. whenever there is doubt you know trying to give the benefit of the doubt to guys but i think that's a great point yeah, yeah it, it's tough it's tough it's such a good point though to to speak to the fact that some players can look dramatically different in some schemes yeah. than others and it's oh yeah and it's totally different the position by position like an edge player is probably going to look similar in many schemes. Now, if you play next to Aaron Donald, it's going to be a lot easier than if you play <laughs> yeah. next to Shamar Stefan. But like, but you know, again, a quarterback shade. and a quarterback when one scheme might struggle. But like, there are Wait, Steph, that's a, that's a UConn guy. Come on, now. That's, sorry, that, sorry, that, I forgot. Sorry, and the yeah, I was gonna. I was the biggest yeah. Minnesota I'm Vikings hater on the on the planet. Um, I I want to get um, you got a few minutes left. I have some quick hitters yeah. that I need. I need your take on. Um, so we'll start with this one. Okay. Big Ben is a top what quarterback in the NFL this season? Right now? Yeah. I would say it's a lot of bad quarterback play right now. But I would still put him ah, top 12, 15 range. Okay. Somewhere like that. I wouldn't pick, yeah, I wouldn't pick 15 quarterbacks before him. Okay. But he, he, isn't, he isn't playing great. He's not playing anything like the Big Ben, you know, five, six years ago, but he plays good enough to, you know, find a way to help his team win a, a ball game. I think there's a, he, I agree with you. And I think the one thing with Big Ben is you always feel like he's got the savvy in a big moment. There's a lot of guys that are top 15 where in a big moment you go, ah, I don't want that guy. Exactly. <laughs> but like Big Ben, there's, you know, there's the Big Ben-ness of him. Um, okay. The next one, you've got to start a team with one defensive back who is oh, shit. that's in the league right now um yeah, you can't pick yourself <laughs> With one. man um i'll i'll go to uh i go honey badger oh wow i, like I go that. honey badger i'm a Just, fan uh, you know because of obviously he's a phenomenal player but what he brings um in the locker room uh the type of leader focal you know can communicate and and when a play needs to be made, he 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 make he always finds a way to make a splash play. So um, I, I'll go with the Honey Badger. I that was one of the guys that we talked about before the season as being one of the more important guys in the league because of what he does for that defense and oh, what yeah. an Achilles' heel it is for the Chiefs. If they have a defense that's the worst in the league, like you're wasting a lot of what Mahomes can do. Who would you take, yeah. Eric? Uh one DB. Um, 
I mean, you're a Chiefs fan, so like, yeah, this is a T is <laughs> Badger, a layup. Badger's for you. clearly one of the guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marlon Humphrey. Mar- man, oh, what did he face like? Four, he forced like four Marlon fumbles. Humphrey, today. Marlon Humphrey's it, man. He plays inside. I, you I, know this, Darius. You played the top. I've never seen. I've never seen anything like it. Like I've seen. I've seen Peanut. I, I've mm-hmm. seen some guys do it. See Wood, Josh Norman, some of the better ones punching that ball out, but. We got a name. The, the way fruit punch does it, like it's like you got a, two, a double yeah. punch going on. It, it's yeah. I've never seen well, anything. You like know it, how hard it is to play all the positions, right? And yeah. Marlon plays inside, he plays outside, and he does both probably equally well. That's a yep. really tough thing to do, and I think that that flexibility allows. To my point earlier, if you have a weaker outside corner, well, then you can move Marlon outside and play a stronger guy in the slot. If you have a yeah. weaker slot guy, yeah. you can play a stronger backup outside and play Marlon in the slot. That helps huge your entire tool. defense. He helps two spots by being who he is. Okay. Yeah, he was huge too. Very, 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 very good player. My guy does the same thing, and that's Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, he's good. Oh, too. okay. Yeah, that was that was that was that was the one that popped in my head first. Yeah. Um, and as, as crazy as it sounds, I wasn't as high as Jay, on Jalen Ramsey as everyone else was. <laughs> I would probably say last maybe two years, but this year, I'm like, okay, this this is he looks he got paid and he looks like a twenty million dollar a year cornerback. I just I and I, this is the same with Tyron Matthew. I love his swagger. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, that okay. Matters. That matters too. It, it does. That's why. That's why Alvin Kamara is like my favorite guy. In the right <laughs> I love. He's so smooth. Man. It's incredible. Okay. Um, last one here. We're going to flip the script to the other side of the ball. The best or toughest wide receiver to cover right now is who? Tyree Hill. Tyree Hill, hands the down. Yeah. Um, I actually had this conversation on my podcast was it yesterday with uh, Antoine Bethea, the man-to-man pod. Okay. Make sure y'all check that out as it's well. Good. But uh, we were going back and forth with uh, Ty Hill and DK Metcalf. This was right after the Seahawks-Eagles mm-hmm. uh, Eagles game. Um, but, yeah, I would go Ty Hill. Uh, Devontae Adams in that convo. You know, Diggs is great. Keenan Allis, phenomenal. I-, I can't wait to see his numbers for the next few years with Herbert. Um, and then, you know, DK uh, Hop, obviously. His 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 uh you know his moment of truth mm-hmm. those hands some of the toughest hands I've ever played against but Ty Hill he's a guy you have to have two sets of eyes on him every play. Your your that list of players you just listed out it shows how hard it is to play defensive back in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, right, oh, man. That's week in and week out, man. That's not even Mike Thomas and Julio right. and man, it's Calvin crazy. Ridley. I mean, there's uh, Justin Jefferson it's, comes it's in the league be. and starts balling People out. People talking I mean, about quarterback being a tough job, like. Covering these guys with the way the rules are right now has got to be man. And yeah. that, and now half the time when our guys up front get home, we got to hope it's not a rough in the passer, right? Yeah. You know, they scrape them across this or they land on them too hard. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely not getting any easier playing deep back. But you know, we know what we signed up for. I I was hoping you'd say one of them was really overrated or like the most overrated. But, <laughs> you know, he didn't bite. Nah, nah, you know, any any <laughs> of the guys that get named in that in that up in that top tier, it's hard for me to say. Um, over is one guy I would probably say a little overrated, but oh, I, I oh do you want to divulge? No, nah, no, nah, I, I won't put should. that out there. But <laughs> I am interested. Flip back to the defensive side real quick. I'm interested. I want to know what was Dunlap's grade this year before being traded to the Seahawks. I was watching. I know he was going through some BS as far as you know them putting guys in front of him and him. Well, I know, you know that kind of happens when new regime comes in. But I knew he once and then he got a new system around some new people. Um, we'll see that that kind of old Dunlap bounce back. You don't, so I'm curious. You don't want to trade. I'll trade you his grade for the most overrated. No, 
wide receiver. <laughs> his his grade with <laughs> oh it, man, it, his Damn. grade with huh, he only had. They were not good. Yeah, they were not good. It was like a fifty something, and now it's like a sixty something. Yeah, I He's mean, improving. The interesting thing he was he hasn't played a. He has sixteen pressures with the Seattle Seahawks in four weeks. He had thirteen in seven weeks with there you go with the Bengals. So okay, sixteen yeah. pressures. The interesting okay. thing in watching the Bengals, I, I want I like pain, so I watched the Bengals game the other day, <laughs> and they they have Geno Atkins playing as just a sub, like a like a pass rush yeah. specialist on third. It's like. Your defense sucks. Like, what are you doing with these two guys who have been great for their whole careers? And now you have them, you, you let one go, and now and then yep. you put one who's still really good, and you're playing him as a three-tech on if sub-downs. That's the, if that's, I that's guess, the business. If I guess the receiver, will you tell me it's – if I – I'm going to – George oh, wants <laughs> So I'll keep – I'll think. I'll keep – I'll guess. I'll throw some out you got, at you, you on You got Twitter. one guess. I'll throw I'll, – I'll wait. I'll, I'll save it. I'll throw it out All on right. Twitter. You can let me know. All right, bro. All right. Does that oh, man, sound fair? On Twitter, man. Yeah, because I well, right. uh, maybe look. I can keep it quiet if if we need to. I <laughs> I just I gotta know. I gotta know. Um, Darius Butler, you are a fantastic follow on Twitter and awesome to have on a podcast. We appreciate this, man. This was a lot of fun. Hey, appreciate Thanks, you. Appreciate you, fellas. I have fun too, man. We will. Darius Butler at Darius J Butler, man to man pod and everything DB. Peace out, brother. Take care, fellas. Be safe. That was a lot of fun. He's good. He knows his stuff. He uh, is a really good follow on Twitter. Um, like he watch, he clearly watches everything, and is. Um, I I think he's awesome. I didn't really know what he was doing until a couple weeks ago. Solomon and I had him on the serious show on Thursday night, and he he really blew me away with what he, how he evaluates the league. That was cool. Yeah, it was great to to. It's always fun to talk about secondary play with somebody who played in the secondary. Right. You know, it's like. Um, you know some of the things we believe, and as I'm doing some of the research you referenced in the in the discussion with him, like I'm starting to even change my mind about other things, you know. And it's and it's sort of um, important to to it's important to constantly talk to people who've who've done it and who evaluate it more, you know, you know better to make sure that you're sort of on the right track. I'm I'm really interested to see you know sort of like how you know his predictions hold up as far as the Steelers and as far mm -hmm. as the the. Um, you know, Seattle, he was very high on, um, and, and as well as the, uh, you know, he's a little bit lower on the Saints than I think we are. I wonder, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what his predictions end up looking like. I am, uh, I'm excited too. Uh, by the way, I have one thing from The Bachelor. Okay, uh, yeah, 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 you said you were going to talk about this. Um, the, and uh, it, this was really funny. So, um, there are two guys that have a little bit of beef, Noah and Bennett, okay? Bennett is the Harvard guy that we talked about mm -hmm. when Nora was on. And Noah's um, like a rancher or something from like Oklahoma. And Bennett's older, Noah's younger. They both like clearly hate each other. So the end of the show, they have to like have a, a menage a trois with her and that's the final date. And she's gonna send one of them home apparently. So Bennett shows up and he brings Noah a gift. Like he shows up with this fucking wrapped package, like as if he's going to give it to the girl, but he gives it to Noah before the girl shows up. What's in it? He gives him socks that have mustaches on it because Noah used to have a mustache. And he goes, this is to remind you that mustaches belong 
don't belong on your face. They belong on your feet. How did that go? It, Blew up in his face. I mean, was it Renner? Okay, but hold on. Cut out. Worthy he has one. Or? He has one. Uh, he has the last gift is the best one, which is a book on emotional intelligence. And he lectures the guy about like how if you don't have emotional intelligence, like that is that akin to sort of like buying like your you know like a uncle or something like a weight loss book for like Christmas. Like you just don't do that, right? So or like they, a or like a how to you know uh, you know we always joked about buying like the idiot's guide to football for one of our offensive coordinators when I was in school because he was terrible and it's like what what was the point? Like that makes you look like an asshole. It so the I'm guessing both of them go home, but the sh- the episode ended with you don't know which one. Makes so it, so there's there's more than these two guys left. Yeah yeah these so, are just. These are just two that like. So this is sort of like a game. Like this is like tonight's game where we're trying to find out who's the best team in the AFC, and the answer is neither. Yeah, like. <laughs> I think both get sent home, and I think Bennett was gonna make it because she likes him more. But bringing a gift, one of which yeah. is a book on emotional intelligence. Well, uh, our, our friend Nora, move. you know, she she really liked him as well, and I, you know, I was you know value her opinion highly, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that that's unfortunate. There, do you think? We'll have to ask uh, Nora what you know what happens in her uh, daily. By the way, Zach, Zach reminded me of this. The basketball. socks were already worn. He, but he said that he washed them. That's that's how we'll end. Uh, make sure you go check out the Bachelorette as well as the Daily Betting Podcast on Saturday night. It comes out Sunday morning. It's you and I. It's a lot of fun. And then the live show at eleven thirty on Sundays. See you guys.